Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real. Newcastle Libraries can be accessed from wherever you live with the Newcastle Library app. Put borrowing at your fingertips. I invite you to close your eyes and imagine. Imagine that there are no buildings, no roads, no cars, just the trees, plants, animals and the very first storytellers of this land, the Awabakal and Waramai people. So I acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of this beautiful land in which we live. Welcome to Newcastle Libraries, your summer stories. Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real, your summer stories, the second podcast in the series. Today, Louise Riley chats to Matthew Riley about his thrilling new book, The One Impossible Labyrinth, the seventh and final Jack West Jr. novel. So Matthew Riley is a national treasure. He's sold over 7.5 million copies of his novels worldwide, and his books are published in over 20 languages. This best-selling author can now add film director to his long list of capabilities with his new movie, Interceptor, due for release in 2022 through Netflix. Today, however, we're here to talk to Matthew about The One Impossible Labyrinth, the final instalment in the Jack West Jr. series. Matthew Riley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So this action-packed finale is a true-to-form page-turner. Without giving too much away, can you outline what happens in The One Impossible Labyrinth? Sure. We've, uh, we've followed Jack West for six books now, from Seven Ancient Wonders, Six Sacred Stones, through Five, Four, Three and Two. And at the end of The, the Two Lost Mountains, he'd arrived at the Supreme Labyrinth and basically the end of the universe is nigh. And unless somebody sits on a throne inside this labyrinth, which is a maze of mazes, the universe will collapse in a gigantic singularity. So the fate of everything is at stake. Uh, and I've put him up against his most difficult uh, scenario yet. Absolutely. Did you know where this story was going to lead when you, you started with the Seven Ancient Wonders? I can't say I knew with Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders was, was it was a discovery period for myself uh, to see if I could write a book which had this sort of Indiana Jones style ancient place, booby trap adventure. When I enjoyed that and started The Six Sacred Stones, that's when I thought I could do something bigger and travel the world with ancient places and mysterious places. And you can actually see, even in One Impossible Labyrinth, that there are twists and things that were set up in The Six Sacred Stones, uh, which are finally revealed in One Impossible Labyrinth. So, I can't say I knew it from Seven Wonders, but I did have an idea at Six Stones. So there's a there's a lot for fans who followed the story. There's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, and, and I dedicated this book to my readers because they read these books so closely and those readers who have read all of the Jack West books will get a lot out of out of Labyrinth. Absolutely. Look, I have to say, uh, as somebody who loves cardigans and um, wears Birkenstocks, that I didn't think I'd relate so much to a former SAS soldier, but I have to say um, I barrack for Jack at every turn and I kind of want to be him, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. So where did the inspiration for this character come from? Jack West is a very humble hero and it's a funny thing. I'm, I'm an Australian. I live in America these days. I live here, I'm here in Los Angeles right now and I, I don't think an American could write 
the Jack West books and, and by extension with the movie Interceptor, I, I don't think an American could write that. An outsider has to write that kind of thing. And Jack is a quintessentially Australian hero. He had an Australian mother, but an American father. What I think resonates with, with readers is we love the action and we love his, his nobility and his loyalty, but there are a couple of scenes throughout the books. There's one where he goes to a parent-teacher meeting at Lily's school and another one when he goes to Lily's school for careers day and, you know, speaks to the kids and acts like he's just a history teacher. And it's just that sort of thing. This guy goes and saves the world over and over again. And, and with One Impossible Labyrinth, I wanted this book to be about Jack. He's our hero. We get a bit more of his history, a bit more of his backstory. Uh, and and I, I thought fans like him. And so this last book had to celebrate him. I actually found him to be quite vulnerable in The One Impossible Labyrinth. There's a lot that he has to come to terms with personally. And was it hard to take him into this this kind of emotional realm? No, um, I, I think uh, it's funny readers, well, I think the essence of a thriller is having characters you care about. And I think readers relate to Jack's vulnerability. He's, he's not that Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone hero from the eighties. He's a guy who cares and he always has cared going right back to seven wonders. And so I think the vulnerabilities are uh, readers see a little bit of themselves in him and if, if these books are nothing else, they're escapism. And in escapism, you put yourself in the hero's shoes and say, oh, my gosh, would I be able to do that? Yeah, absolutely. He's got uh, an amazing network around him and he has through all the other books as well. But that sense of family and the, the balance that they're always there, they're always there for each other, even when the chips seem like they're completely down. It must be lovely to, to build a family like that around him. I keep getting asked... Uh, you know, am I sad to see this series end? And I'm sad to see it end, but I also think it brings together all the family and friendship elements. And I, that's something I'm very proud of in the series, that there, there's Jack and he has his connection with all of the characters, especially, say, Lily and Zoe. But then you get these friendship, independent friendships like Pooh Bear and Stretch. Uh, and, and even, you know, bringing in Aloysius Knight and Rufus from the Scarecrow series and making them a part of this series from uh, the, the four legendary kingdoms uh, and, and three secret cities. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, I, let me answer this a different way. As a lot of people know, I'm a big Star Wars fan and I'm sitting here in my office, you know, with like a Django Fett helmet behind me and Star Wars spaceships. And I, I love the original Star Wars trilogy. And like many people, I was disappointed with the prequels. Uh, and then the last three, let's not even talk about them. Um, and one of the differences between the original Star Wars and the prequels is that they were friendships in the original Star Wars, that Han Solo and Chewbacca were friends. Uh, Luke Skywalker becomes friends with Han and Chewbacca. And when Chewbacca sees Luke Skywalker come back, it gives him a big hug. And I think all of us wished we could get a big hug from Chewbacca. And in that way, I think the Jack West books, I learned from Star Wars and said, if I'm going to do this, 
it has to have those friendship and family elements that the original Star Wars films had. If you're going to learn from your mistakes, that's one thing, but learn from other people's mistakes. It's easier. Your summer stories are available anytime, anywhere. Just download the Newcastle Libraries app and access your summer stories plus thousands just like them today. I'm going to shift across now to um, the ancient world. So it's obviously very important and key to, to the whole series. And so with the main action, even though it's happening all around the world, the main action is taking place by the Red Sea or in the Red Sea. Uh, and it's a place of Old Testament but New World significance. So why have you anchored your adventure here? Well, uh, obviously the Red Sea uh, any, anybody, well, you don't even have to have gone to Sunday school or church. You might have just seen the movie of the Ten Commandments that the Red Sea is synonymous with, with Moses. And the idea of parting the Red Sea or having something appear from the Red Sea where the ocean might appear to part was something I wanted to tap into because throughout the Jack West books from Seven Wonders all the way through, I've taken biblical stories, uh, uh, the, the story of Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac um, to Greek myths of the labors of Hercules and the siege of Troy and given them real world explanations. So yeah, once, once the Red Sea, once we got near the Red Sea, there was always going to be a reference to Moses and there is in a certain way, the sea parts in the one impossible labyrinth. Fantastic. Uh, that was another thing. It's, it's led me on to another question, which I've been really curious about, is that you like to retell accepted histories. Uh, so things that we've all accepted that have been told through one lens, you like to come at it from another angle and challenge, uh, which I imagine involves a lot of research and a lot of confidence in, in tackling these long-held views. So how do you go about that? Oh, there, there are several answers to that. Um, I mean, say in, in One Impossible Labyrinth, there is the, obviously it's a labyrinth, so I, we talk about Theseus and the Minotaur and the, the great, you know, Greek myth or Greek story of Theseus going to the labyrinth to defeat the Minotaur. Uh, you know, when the, the Athenians had to send seven virgins and maidens to, uh, to face the Minotaur and what I thought of was, well, my Jack West books have got this tribe of Neanderthal men who are called Minotaurs. And so I thought, well, I'm going to tell the Theseus story from the Minotaurs point of view. And I think in my jaded heart of hearts, I do believe that history is told by the victors and that my take on Theseus and the Minotaur was that, you know, maybe the Minotaur was blind. Maybe it was Theseus who was the jerk. And it's, I'm a big believer that, I mean, the John F. Kennedy assassination happened in the 60s and it's still the subject of conspiracies and controversy. Princess Diana is killed in a car crash in 1997. And even that is shrouded in, in controversy and conspiracy theories. The moon landing, you know, there are still people out there who don't believe the moon landing happened. So how do we know what happened 3,000 years ago? I mean, the siege of Troy is commonly believed to have happened about 1200 BC. Nobody knows where Troy was. And yet this story of a wooden horse being dragged into the city of Troy with Greek soldiers in it has endured for 3,200 years. 
Now that's a cracker of a story and an amazing story to last that long. But it's also my belief that that's a story told by the victors. And again, in Labyrinth, I address the, the Trojan horse and say, well, maybe it was something else. Maybe it was a wooden vehicle of some sort with a horse's head on it, but it may not have been a wheeled horse that was brought in by the Trojans. Uh, so I, I love to look at these things, but it comes down to my view that history is told by the victors uh, and maybe I'll tell it from another point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, that through um, Jack and his team as kind of the underdogs as well, they're the ones to kind of uncover a truth as well, aren't they? Yes, yes, that, yeah. that's exactly right. So if this were to be turned into a TV series or a film franchise, have you got anyone in mind for your main cast, say Jack, Zoe, Lily, Pooh Bear, Stretch? Who would you cast in any of those sorts of roles? You know, I usually get asked who I'd, who I'd cast as, as Jack and I have sold the rights to Seven Wonders to a big company called Spyglass Media, and they've got a good script, a pilot script done for a TV show. Um, I actually worked with an Australian actor named Luke Bracey this year on Interceptor, and he's also actually read the Jack West books, and he's about 31, he's handsome, and I, I think he'd be a really good Jack West. Um, you know, years ago... The funny thing is actors age very quickly and, you know, Chris Hemsworth would be great, but even Chris is into his upper thirties now. And, and I think Jack, at least at the beginning of this series is younger, is around 30, 31. And so you have to look for that next big thing actor who's around 29, 30. If Chris Hemsworth wanted to do it, I would say happily do it, Chris, that would be excellent. <laughs> and, and obviously I have, I have worked with him, uh, this year with, with Interceptor. Um, for, for the other roles, you know, for someone like Zoe, like a Rebecca Ferguson type actress, to me that's, and I say type because, again, um, I mean, she's in feature films. Uh, and for, for Lily, I think you'd find a great child actress like a Millie Bobby Brown, a, a new Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, yeah. Again, she's now too old. <laughs> Billy Bobby Brown, though, would be great for the tournament. She'd be good to play a young Bess, uh, Queen Elizabeth, in the tournament. Fantastic. I think we've we've workshopped that already now, haven't we? We've got that sorted. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so we are featuring the One Impossible Labyrinth at Newcastle Libraries as part of our Summer Read campaign. So would you be able to let us know why should people get out there and get their hands on a copy of this title for summer? Oh, because the One Impossible Labyrinth is just – it's all icing and no cake. It's just the climax of a gigantic seven book series. And I like to think it, even if you haven't read a Matthew Riley book before, there's a little brief summary at the start and the characters sort of bring you up to speed. It's probably better to have read a few of the ones before this, but the one impossible labyrinth is just action and adventure taken to the max. It's got some of the biggest scale action you'll ever see. And it has this, I think, just very satisfying conclusion. Uh, it ties together all of these characters that we've followed for so long. And it gave me enormous satisfaction to write it. And I, and I hope those people who read it 
get great enjoyment from it and also get great satisfaction with the closure of the story. Create your own summer stories with Newcastle Libraries through our incredible collections, e-learning resources and summer programs. Find out more at the Newcastle Libraries app or website. I have one last question for you today, Matthew. So this one, uh, there are a lot of creative young people in Newcastle. So what advice would you give to someone with a dream to write a story or a graphic novel or even if they wanted to write a script? What would you say to them? Write the the story, whether it's a book, a script or a graphic novel. Write the story that you yourself would want to read. You are the best uh, sample of your market. And there are books for different people. My books appeal to people who like escapism and action and adventure. There are other books out there for people who look for romance. There are other books out there for people who look for an examination of the human condition. And whatever you, whatever story you want to write, you know how to do it better than what, you know, everybody else out there is already doing. So you're the biggest fan of your genre. So write what you would want to read yourself. Uh, if it's a movie script, write that movie that you would want to see yourself. And trust me that your enthusiasm will come off the page. If you think that only books that win prizes are worth writing, but that's not your kind of book, the people who read that book will spot you as a fake in 10 seconds. I've seen authors try to write thrillers because they thought that's a way to make money. But thriller readers can spot a fake in 10 seconds. I I honestly believe part of the reason that for my, uh, you know, uh, success with the books has been that I'm very honest in that I love this kind of story. And I see these movies, I go and watch the Marvel movies the first week they're out. And this kind of book is the kind of book I love reading fast page turning, enjoyable escapism. So be true to yourself. And then once you've written your story, print it out and revise it. Don't show it to anybody until you've revised it because I do think in the book world, people send manuscripts to publishers too soon and they don't put their best foot forward. And we're so excited to finish that first book. We print it off, we put it in an envelope, we set it to a publisher and it probably should have had one more rewrite. So write what you love and give it one more revision. That would be my advice. That's great advice. Thank you, Matthew. So congratulations on the release of Um, One Impossible Labyrinth. It's great. I loved it. And again, like you say, I consumed it in a day or two. I just hooned through. So um, thank you again for for catching up with us. And um, I really look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thanks so much for listening to your summer story series by Newcastle Libraries Real. Turn the page on our next podcast or go back to our original Your Summer Story season with authors like Trent Dalton, Craig Sylvie, Steve Conti, Tia Cooper and more. Thanks to Newcastle Libraries Real. Thanks for listening to Your Summer Stories from Newcastle Libraries. Why not take a dip and a sip, then rate and review us wherever you listen. 